Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. How we love those verses. They bring us great comfort, especially in the face of death. But that's not all Jesus had to say. As we noted last week, he also said some things that are not comforting at all. To some, he actually said, you shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. He told that to some who had been misinformed about him and subsequently rejected him. He told it to some who claimed to know him and were very religious, but really didn't know him or his father. He said it to some who were almost convinced to believe in him, but who failed to do what they knew they should do to express their faith in him. And he declared it to those who would wait too long to respond and find the invitation withdrawn. While we don't like to focus on this, we must never forget that if we don't respond in a timely and appropriate manner to Jesus' invitation to come, we can lose it. He made that clear while teaching in the temple some six months before his death. In fact, he created quite a stir by saying, you shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. He did not, however, leave it there. He didn't close the door and leave the people without hope. He went on to make it clear that those who were thirsty still had the opportunity to come to him and drink. It was on the final day of the Feast of Tabernacles that he again offered that invitation. Let's look at that offer and the response. Continuing our study in the Gospel of John, we're in chapter 7. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Booths, was a celebration of two things. Primarily, it commemorated the time God miraculously provided for the Israelites when living in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. That experience was remembered by camping out in little tabernacles or booths all around Jerusalem for seven days. It was also a celebration of the harvest, which always concluded just before the festival. So it was a feast of thanksgiving as well. Jesus arrived in Jerusalem during the middle of the festivities. And it was a ritual that was done during the festival that may have led to the invitation Jesus offered. Every day, 
the priest would take a golden pitcher and draw water from the pool of Siloam. Then with great pomp and ceremony, he would lead a procession to the altar and pour out the water as a reminder of God's provision of water from the rock in the wilderness. While he was doing this, the people would sing a psalm in praise to God and would recite Isaiah 12:3. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. It may have been while... That was being done on the last day of the festival. That Jesus stood and cried out with a loud voice, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. It was essentially the same offer that he had made to the woman at the well. If they would ask, Jesus would give them living water. He was, of course, offering to quench a spiritual thirst of any who would come to him. Well, before we dive into the living water Jesus offered, I do want to share some related news that we received just last week from a T. Youngmi. You may recall that last September we learned of a need for clean drinking water in the villages of Thailand and how Jesse's daughter and son-in-law had been installing water filtration systems on their own. In her newsletter, a team noted that 15 villages where Lisu Bible Institute graduates were ministering were in need of such systems and that they could be built for around $300 apiece. Well, due to Andrew Sexton's resignation from Casas Por Cristo in January, we had not maintained our desired level of giving for missions. So the elders decided to send an additional $5,000 to Haitian Christian ministries to help meet needs after a devastating earthquake and $5,000 to a T so the water filtration systems could be built. Just this last Wednesday, I received a newsletter from a T that shared, among other things, how students from LBI had prepared the charcoal for the filtration systems and how 10 systems had been installed before the rainy season came and they had to postpone the last five. Copies of her newsletter in which she thanked us for helping make these systems possible are on the sermon table. I encourage you to pick one up and read it. It's an extremely encouraging newsletter. But now, back to the living water. You know, Jesus not only offered living water to all who were thirsty and would come to him, But he said that any who would believe in him would find rivers of living water flowing from his innermost being. Now, it's not clear whether he's saying the water would flow from him or from the one who believes in him. Most interpret the Greek to indicate that the living water will flow out of the believer. But since Jesus is the original source of that water, both understandings are true, of course. Jesus through the Holy Spirit, indwells believers and gives them life and refreshment and vitality. And believers then find that that living water flows out of their life to bless others. As the scripture Jesus had in mind when he said this, we can't be sure. He doesn't actually quote any one passage, but the idea seems to be inherent in Isaiah 58, 11. 
And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and it will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The thrust of what Jesus is saying is come to me because I'm the one who fulfills this promise of God. I'm the one who can give you the living water. I'm the one who can quench the thirst that you have for spiritual things, and I can do so by putting within you the source of continual spiritual refreshment. Now, as John notes, John, uh, Jesus didn't actually impart that living water to believers until after he was raised and ascended. That's when he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell us. And as we are aware, the Holy Spirit cannot indwell us until we express faith in Jesus and accept the cleansing made possible by his death. Only after we have been cleansed of our sin and made a fit vessel for the Spirit of God can we be indwelt with his presence. But then, once he comes in, he becomes the fountain within us from which flows rivers of living water. Jesus was offering that to all who were within earshot of his voice that day, as well as to all who would later read those words. How did the multitude respond? Well, at first we see indecision. Some of the multitude, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, well, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scriptures said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? And so there arose a division in the multitude because of him, and some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Some of the people decided that Jesus was the prophet that Moses had foretold, one who would be like him and would speak the words of God to the people. Others went further and said he was the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one who would redeem Israel. But then others spoke up and basically said, whoa, this can't be the Christ. This guy is from Galilee, and the scriptures say that Christ will be an offspring of David and will be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Of course, they were right about that. The scriptures did teach that. What they didn't realize was that Jesus fulfilled both of those prophecies. In fact, he fulfilled all the prophecies concerning the Messiah. They thought they knew him, but they didn't know everything about him. He had been brought up in Galilee, in Nazareth, in fact, but he'd been born in Bethlehem. Now, apparently Jesus didn't broadcast the place of his birth. He didn't go around trying to convince people that he was the Messiah because there were far too many misconceptions about the Messiah's role. He simply pointed people to the Father and made it clear that if they would trust in him, he could bring them into a wonderful relationship with the Father. 
people, however, were confused. They, they didn't know what to think about him. Even the officers who had been sent by the chief priests and Pharisees to arrest Jesus didn't know what to do with him. They wanted to obey orders and seize Jesus, but something kept them from doing so. Indecision reigned. No one was convinced enough, one way or another, to really do anything about Jesus. No one came out and declared faith in him as the Messiah. No one said they wanted the living water that he offered. But then no one would take steps to silence him either. The people didn't know what to do with Jesus. So for the moment, they basically did nothing. They listened to him. They talked about him. They even argued about him, but they did nothing. Sounds like far too many in churches today. That would change, however, once the religious leaders made their rejection of Jesus very clear. The officers, therefore, came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never did a man speak the way this man speaks. The Pharisees therefore answered them, You've not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers of the Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this multitude, which does not know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus said to them, he who came to him before, being one of them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? They answered and said to him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. The ball was now in the court of the chief priests and the Pharisees. The people were undecided. So it was up to their leaders to decide what to do with Jesus. And when the temple officers who had been sent to arrest Jesus returned without him, it became obvious what the priests and Pharisees had decided. When the officers arrived without him, they were asked, Why did you not bring him? The response was surely unexpected. They didn't say, Oh, we couldn't find him. Or his disciples were armed. Or the crowds overwhelmed us. They said with amazement in their voice, never did a man speak the way this man speaks. In the Greek, the emphasis is on the first man. Never did a man speak like this man. This man speaks like a god. We were in awe of him. How could we arrest him? Now, these were religious soldiers. They were used to hearing sermons. They were around pomp and ceremony all the time, and they were disciplined to obey orders. Yet they were in awe of Jesus. Now, you'd think the priests and Pharisees would stop and reevaluate their thinking about Jesus when their own officers were awed by him. But no, instead they asked, You haven't been led astray too, have you? 
What's the matter with everyone? We are the ones who are qualified to judge religious claims, and none of us believes in him. Only the unlearned masses, the people of the land, the simpletons who don't know any better are buying what he's selling, and they are accursed for it. In other words, in their judgment, anyone who accepted what Jesus had to say was accursed, condemned as a follower of a heretic and blasphemer. At this point, Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish leadership, spoke up. He was probably a member of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of the Jews. He was the one who came to Jesus by night and said he could tell that Jesus was a teacher come from God, but who then became confused when Jesus told him he had to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. At this point, Nicodemus was still confused about Jesus. But he felt he had to say something in his defense. So he raised a point of order. Wait a minute. Maybe we're being too hasty judging this man without a formal hearing. The rest of them dismissed the objection of Nicodemus with a snide remark, saying, he must be a Galilean too, if he would defend this Jesus And they challenged Nicodemus to search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Now, if they were referring to prophecy about a coming prophet, they were technically correct. There was no specific prophecy declaring that the prophet or the Messiah would come from Galilee. Matthew, however, did note that the prophets had indicated that the king of the Jews would be called a Nazarene. And being called a Nazarene indicated he would be from Nazareth, which is in Galilee. And if they were saying no prophet had ever come from Galilee, they were simply wrong. Jonah, Nahum, and possibly Hosea all came from Galilee. They did not know their scriptures as well as they thought. Still, they were adamant in their rejection of Jesus. They dismissed the people who were starting to believe in him as ignorant and accursed. They were unaffected by the highly unusual reaction of the officers they had sent to arrest him. They got sarcastic. When one of their own numbers even dared to question their conclusions about Jesus. And they did not follow their own advice to search out the scriptures. To see if their preconceived notions about the Christ were really accurate or not. As a result, they rejected the legitimate offer of the Son of God to come to him and drink to find rivers of living waters that would keep them eternally alive and continually refreshed. Let's not reject that offer today. Now, Christ does not want to tell anyone where I am, you cannot come. He excludes no one from the offer to come and have their spiritual thirst eternally quenched in him. 
We must accept that offer. Don't let indecision stop you. And by all means, don't let the confusing voices of religious leaders stop you. If there's a thirst in your soul, ask the Lord to fill your cup. Lift it up to him and accept his offer to so fill you with himself that rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being. And do it now while the offer is still on the table.